the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Why should we work hard? Is it so that we might have more cars and we might have more material things and we might get ahead and we might impress people? And we... No. In order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Now that is revolutionary. That is so different. It is radical. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is guiding us in a study on the topic of work. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He usually teaches expositorily, that is, proceeding through a book or a chapter of the Bible, one verse at a time. In our last class, though, he began a topical study, so we will be moving around in our Bibles quite a bit. Let's begin in Ephesians chapter 6. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6 picks up on why work is so important and how to approach it. It says in verse 5, slaves, and speaking about those who are literally slaves, but we would apply and broaden the principle and say it, it, it applies to anybody who is an employee, someone who works for someone. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters. It's a very simple command. Just be obedient. You obey them. But he tells us how to do it. He says, your masters according to the flesh. In other words, those who are over you with fear and trembling. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Paul doesn't mean that we're to cringe with fear before an employer. No, the word fear means uh, reverence. It means respect. You may not personally respect the person you work for, but you must respect his authority because God has put him there. And that's, that's the thought here. So he says, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Now, I think that's the principle. There is a reverence because Christ is involved in this. Christ is behind the whole picture. He's behind the whole setup because when you obey your boss, who are you really obeying? You're obeying Christ. God has put that, that boss, that employer in his place. Now the man or the woman may not be saved. Most cases they're not saved. They may be very ungodly. They may mock the gospel, but Christ has put them there in his place. And he says, first of all, have the right attitude. Make sure there's, there's reverence there. Make sure there's respect. And then he says, in the sincerity of your heart. Sincerity means uprightness. It means integrity. In other words, the thought here is, is work with an undivided mind. And that mind ought to be to, to honor your boss, to work hard. 
put in an honest day's work is what he's saying. Don't be distracted by your own interests, by self-seeking. The sole purpose is to obey our employer, to, to devote our full attention and energy to the job at hand. That's what he's saying. In other words, we ought to do the very best that we can. That's, that's the thought here. Why? Because we're not really serving that man. We're serving Jesus Christ himself. And that's the same thing that God told Adam, in essence, that you are serving me, and I want you to do a good job, and here's what you're to do. And now, even after the fall, the principle never changes. Our responsibility is to serve Christ, regardless of our situation, regardless of whether you're a housewife and you don't have an employer over you, regardless of whether you're a career person, regardless of, of whether you are the boss or not, or you are the employee. The principle is you are to see that you serve Christ. Your boss represents Jesus Christ. And if you have no earthly boss, then you answer just to him and him alone, that is Christ. And when you diligently obey him, you've rendered your service to the Lord. No different than what Adam had to do. Now, I want to apply this for a moment, because what this is saying is that all of us are in full-time Christian service. All of us. There is no distinction between Christian work and secular work. Not from the Bible's perspective. If you are a Christian, then you are a full-time Christian, right? You can't be a part-time Christian. You don't turn it on and turn it off. You're a full-time Christian. And that means that you serve the Lord full-time, regardless of what you do, because you serve Christ. You know, uh, years ago, I was custodian. I was one of the, I, in fact, at that time, I was the custodian at Lakeside. I was a rotten custodian, but nonetheless, I was in the position of custodian. But I want you to know that I was serving the Lord then as much as I'm serving the Lord now. What I'm doing now is serving the Lord just like I did then. Then The only difference is the type of, of work that I, I'm doing, not the one that I serve. Being a missionary or a pastor is really um, nothing that's more sacred than having to, to go to a secular job. In fact, I'm only using the term secular and sacred to communicate a point. But it's all together as far as God is concerned. You don't see that dichotomy in Scripture. Everything we do is for the Lord when it comes to our job. Christ has taken, and, and watch this, this, is, this elevates work. Christ has taken every mundane job, and he has elevated it to the high honor of serving him. Now that ought to give you a different perspective on your work, regardless of what you do regardless of who you work with, regardless of the pressures there. Christ has elevated your work to not, to, to not be mundane. He's lifted it up to the very high honor, in fact, the highest honor of serving him. If you want your job to be joyful, then you've got to see that you work for Christ. You don't work for money. You don't work for fringe benefits. You don't work for, to, to improve your self-esteem. You work to honor him. And that's the way that we're to be different from the unsaved. Our work is to be joyful service. But you know how most people approach work? This attitude, I want to do the least amount of work to make the most money. Christian ought to work harder than anybody else because he sees beyond his employer to the Lord. And the most, one of the most disgraceful things is for someone to complain, a boss to complain that a Christian worker is not putting out his all. Now, it's because our work serves Christ and him alone that Paul goes on to speak about uh, 
his obedience, further help on how he's to conduct this obedience. Verse 6, he says, Not by way of eye service, as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. What does that mean? Don't work hard only when the boss is watching. Don't, don't slack off when he walks out of the room and when you hear his footsteps, you get busy. That's what he means. Don't do that. Be diligent even when he's not there because you aren't really serving him anyway. You're serving the Lord. So whether he's there or not makes no difference because the Lord is always there and he never leaves the room. Don't be a man pleaser, but be a Christ pleaser. That's the essence here. If you only work hard when your boss is there, you're a man pleaser. It's when you're, it's what takes place when your boss is not there that really is the issue. And verse 7 says the same thing basically with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. So I think that you, you really get the truth here that we serve Christ. And you might say, uh, well, you know, that may be good for what we call, you know, pastoral work or the ministry. No, Paul is speaking to slaves. Paul is speaking to, to slaves who were involved in, in manual labor. As far as the culture was concerned, they were the lowest on the totem pole. And Paul is saying, look, you serve Christ. Colossians echoes the same truth. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external services to those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So where to work hard? You know, when you work and you approach work this way, you're free from the sinful ambitions that we all tend to, to let control us and motivate us. The ambitions of making more money and getting credit for what we've accomplished and looking good in the eyes of your boss and, and getting that job promotion. It really frees you. It frees you to, to do your work with the proper motivation. And it really frees you to wake up on Monday morning and say, it is wonderful to be able to go to work. It is another opportunity to serve Christ. Rather than waking up, no, no, it's Monday. Oh, terrible. I've, and I've got to go to work. You see, that changes the perspective. You've got to work. But if you have God's mind on it, you're going to work with the right attitude. So why do we work? Well, one reason is we work because it glorifies God and we work to serve him. But there is another reason, and I think a very important reason. I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 for this. We looked at Ephesians 6, but Ephesians 4, a verse that has gripped my heart a number of times, and once again it does tonight. Ephesians 4 is about the walk of the new man. Paul says, look, when you came to Christ, you took off the old man. You're a new creature in Christ. You are new, brand new. And now that you are new, now walk in a new way. And it affects everything. It affects the way we speak. It affects uh, our anger. It affects all these things. It, it, it affects everything. It affects your attitude. It just affects life. And he says, since you are new, now walk new. Now he says in verse 28, let him who steals... Steal no longer. Let's stop there for a moment. He says, look, the old man steals. And maybe he's not obvious about his stealing, but he steals. He might steal time from his employer, might steal a few things that he might think is relatively unimportant, 
But he steals. And what is stealing? Stealing is the epitome of selfishness. Stealing is taking something that doesn't belong to you. Stealing is, is being totally disrespectful of other people's property. It's the opposite of love. It is the opposite of concern for others. You don't take what belongs to them if you're really concerned about them. So he says, the old man steals. Let him who steals, steal no longer. The old man did that. But now he says, you're new. So what are we to do? The new man works hard. He works hard, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good. Tiresome labor, that's what he means. It's not just working, it's, it's, it's tiresome work, it's laborious labor. It's, it's really working hard, performing with his own hands what is good. Do something that has integrity, not dishonesty. In order, now watch this, why do we, why should we work hard? Is it so that we might have more cars and we might have more material things and we might get ahead and we might impress people and we, no. In order that we, that he rather may have something to share with him who has need. Now that is revolutionary. That is so different, it is radical. You see, we would expect Paul to say, work hard so that you'll be able to support yourself and not be tempted to steal. But he doesn't say that. He says the new man works hard to earn enough money in order to share with someone who is in need and doesn't have much. You see, the old man steals to hurt others. The new man works to help others. That's the thought. We are to work to help others. And Paul isn't just saying, look, earn an honest living. He's not saying that, and I want you to understand that. He's not just saying earn an honest living. Because you could earn an honest living and be totally motivated by selfishness. You see, those who are very moral, ethical people, what we call good people in society, earn an honest living. But the new man does far more than, than just have his morals and ethics in order. The new man works hard so that he might help others. He doesn't accumulate it on himself. He gets it so that he might give it away. You see, we're to be different. Our motivation for work isn't to get more for ourselves. It is to get more to give to others. So it tells us something. It tells us that it's not wrong for a Christian to make a lot of money. It's not wrong. It's your attitude in making the money. It's what you do with it. In fact, you may give a lot away and God may just bless you and give you more and more and more. It's not sinful to be rich. But it is sinful to hoard your riches if you know Christ and never share it with others who have need. And he means give it away. He doesn't mean lend it to some. He means give it away. I don't know if you've ever thought about why you want more money, but we all need to examine our motives. Why do we want that raise? Why do we want that promotion? Is it to get more things for yourself or is it to give more to others who have need? See, we, we live in a rat race. We live with, in an ungodly society that thinks nothing except about money, power, and sex. That is, if you want to know what our society is, money, power, and sex, that's basically it. And usually, we Christians don't show the world that we're different. We want to be just like them, and we want to raise our standard of living, and we want to keep up, and we don't want to look like we've fallen behind, and we don't want to be embarrassed because we're Christians, and after all, we want to show the world that we're just as good as that. And instead, we get trapped into being just 
like them and everything becomes centered around self rather than centered around Christ and his glory and to meet the needs of others. The motives behind stealing is getting. That's what the old man did. That's what we used to do before we knew Christ. The motives behind working ought to be giving. That's what he's saying. And I say this, we need to be sensitive. And this is, this is why should we work? For this reason, we need to be sensitive to the physical needs of one another. We really do. The 20th century church has a tendency to forget that people have needs. And we need to meet the needs of those who have legitimate needs, especially the needs of the church. The early church did that. In Acts chapter 2, just a few passages of Scripture, you'll see what I mean. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 45, the church of Jerusalem met the needs of their people. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. They said, what's mine, I give to you. It's okay. It's only things. Chapter 4 of Acts, verses 34 and 35, will read basically the same thing. There was not a needy person among them. And by the way, these people were extremely poor, I might add. You may think that Jewish people are wealthy. That's not true in the first century. It's not true with all Jewish people in the 20th century either, but these people were very poor. And the Bible says there was not a needy person among them for all who were owners of lands or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need. The early church ministered to the physical needs of its people. Now, it didn't, it didn't uh, make that the priority. The priority is always the spiritual needs, but it did take care of the physical needs. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, Now at the time, while the disciples were increasing uh, in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. The point we want to bring out here is that the early church was involved in meeting the needs of widows. In fact, that's how uh, deacons arose, just to organize for what the Spirit of God was doing. The Spirit of God was already doing something. He just said, the church just said, let's get organized so that we'll do it in a better way. Romans chapter 15, verses 25 and 26, tell us another incident about how the church was sensitive to the needs of its people. Romans 15, verse 25 but now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. Paul, Paul writes, these Christians at Rome for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Other churches were sensitive to the needs. See, they didn't, uh, one of the, one of the uh, problems the 20th century church faces is, is we tend to pour a lot of our money into buildings and into programs, and into things, and, it, and sometimes we can neglect the people, and that is really the priority of the ministry, because the people are the church. Paul gave them an example, which was from the Lord's example, Acts chapter 20, verse 33, Paul writes, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. He said, I'm not in it. I'm not in the ministry for money. I haven't coveted your, your silver, your gold, your clothes. You yourselves know that these hands, he said, ministered to my own needs. I took care of myself. I, I didn't sponge off of you. I wasn't a leech. And to the men who were with me, I took care of myself. I took care of my men. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. He said, I gave you an example of what hard work will do. You'll help the weak. Remembering the words of our Lord Jesus. 
and that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, this is not a statement we find in the Gospels. This is something the Spirit of God revealed to the Apostle Paul that Jesus said in his ministry. None of the Gospel writers wrote it down, but Paul said Jesus said this. He said, it is better to give than to get. You see, Jesus didn't only say it, by the way. We might add that he lived it. He didn't just teach it. He did it. He demonstrated it. That's what the cross is all about. Jesus Christ came to earth to give his life. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, he didn't consider the things that were his something to be held onto, something to grasp, something to not let go of. He let go, not of being God, but of the privileges that come with, with the Godhead. He let go of that. And he became, God became a man and, and his glory was was veiled in, in flesh. And he gave what was rightfully his so that we might receive because he said it is better to give than to receive. You see, not only didn't Jesus steal what didn't belong to him, but he gave away what did belong to him. That's the way we're to be. So as we open up this series, why should we work? Basically, two reasons. Because we serve Christ. And by serving Christ, it's a recognition that he is the one who made us and ordained us to work. And that gives him glory. When you go to your work tomorrow, when you go to your job, or when you ladies work around the house, or you retired folks are involved in working around the house and doing things, maybe in the garden or whatever, you remember that God ordained you to work. He's elevated work. It is an exalted thing to work, and God honors hard work. We do it for his glory. If we had no other reason, that should be sufficient. But secondly, we work hard. We work hard so that we might accumulate things in order to give them away, and that makes us so different from everybody else. Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you're having some real struggles at your job. Maybe it has been frustration to you. You know, it doesn't have to be. It can change. It's a matter of, of your perspective. It's a matter of your will. It's a matter of whether you decide that you will see your work as God sees it, that you will honor your employer because he stands in the place of Christ, that you won't be a man pleaser, a woman pleaser, but you'll be a Christ pleaser. Now, that's your decision that the word of God, and I say this on the authority of the word of God, you're commanded to do that by God himself. And you are commanded to, to work hard so that you might give to others. Are you giving to others? I'm not talking about the offering envelopes now. I'm not talking about the church budget. I'm talking about are you sensitive to the needs of those around you? Are you sensitive to, to those perhaps right in our fellowship who are going through hard times? Are you sensitive? Are you sensitive to other people? It doesn't even have to be Christians. Are you sensitive to those who, by our standards, would be considered poor? Do you have a problem in giving away things and money? If you do, then you're not walking as the new man walks because the new man gets to give. He gives it away. He's like Christ who said it's blessed, more blessed to give than receive. Father, I can only teach the word but I can pray, in addition to that, that the word of God would really find lodging in our hearts and that we as a people would be responsive to you. Lord, 
help us to understand what you have said about work, that we might be um, workmen that honor you, hard workers, that we might have a testimony, Lord, where we work, that we might be different. Lord, that we might be radical, that we might be revolutionary, that we might walk as new men, exalting Christ and getting so that we might give to others without wanting praise from men. Lord, I pray that these truths that we've looked at tonight might really change us. Thank you for the time and your word. Thank you for uh, these dear folks who come out so faithfully week after week to open their Bibles and examine the scriptures and interact with the word of God. Pray that you'll bless them because of that. We pray that the Spirit of God will apply to each of our lives these truths about work. Lord, we especially pray for those who really suffer at their jobs. They don't like it. It's hard. It's difficult. And, and they really are going through struggles. Lord, may these truths that we study beginning tonight and in days to come transform their lives. We pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is totally a giver. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, and thank you all for listening today. I hope our class was helpful to you. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And his messages come your way through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. To order a CD or a cassette with today's message, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. In these last two classes, we have looked at the question, Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.